Welcome back. Welcome to Decision Space, the only show to take place right here in the space between the turns in your favorite games. I'm Brendan Hansen. I'm Jake Friedman. And this is the podcast about decisions and games. And this week, we are doing a special mission planning episode where Brendan and I are going to talk about some of the games that we're excited to play together in person next week at Geekway to the West convention. Brendan, how does that sound? How excited are you for this trip out to the Midwest? It sounds fantastic. I'm very excited. <laughs> listeners, longtime listeners of the show will know that Jake and I have actually never met in person. After multiple years of doing this show together, multiple years before that of like closely sharing a hobby that we both enjoyed and like we're in the same community. So I'm really excited not just to get together and play a ton of games with you, Jake, but also to like meet you in person, make sure we're what both real people. What if we don't like people? each other at all and then the show's over? Have you been worried about that? <laughs> no. <laughs> what if I've just been like catfish fishing you this whole time with like some really elaborate like, I don't know, like deep fake technology on this video chat we do? I forgot. Yeah, that could be possible. I forgot to warn you. Have you considered that? I yeah. I. I hadn't considered you might be using deep fake technology. That throws a real wrench in my in the whole framework I was using. <laughs> I thought, I don't know. I, I did have some concerns. I'm worried what you're going to think when you realize that I don't shower outside of the state I live in. Just has a hard and fast rule. Well, that's honestly smart. <laughs> right, you can't trust foreign waters. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, no, anyway, obviously super thrilled to host you. And yeah, can't wait. So I think what we're going to sort of do is you come in on like Thursday night. Yep. So we'll probably do some like kind of gaming with just us that evening rather than try and like jet out to the convention center and back. And then we'll just be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, bright and early Full days at the convention center. Live, eat, eat, pray, play, eat, play, love. That's better. Live, <laughs> laugh, game. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I'm so excited, Jake, and I'm really excited to get to play games with you in person. I think it's going to be really cool knowing so much about who you are, why you play games, your personality, to like see that come out and, and to have a whole other physical aspect added to it. Like, what does Jake Friedman look like playing a Steffenfeld game in person? <laughs> I don't know for sure, but I'm excited to find out. So a lot of this episode, I think, is going to be talking about what we're both hoping to get out of Geekway, like you said, and then also just discussing some games we want to play together, which I think will be fun and kind of lay the groundwork for the episode that will come next week following our Geekway trip, where we do our sort of classic post-Geekway mini-reviews episode that have been huge hits in the past, so we'll be doing that. Uh, this time as well to kind of process everything, talk about what we enjoyed, and hopefully, hopefully we'll be talking about a lot of the games that we are talking about here. And I think also some surprises because, you know, Jake and I were realists. We know that the best laid plans never always work out. So some of these games we probably won't get to the table and that's okay too. Yeah. And so just in brief, what Geekway is, is a board game convention that takes place here in the St. Louis region. I think it's technically in the St. Charles area, which is sort of nice. Headed to St. Charles. May 18th through the 21st. I've gone the past two or three years, I think, at this point. And it's always a total blast. I think the thing that sets Geekway apart from other conventions that I've been to is that it's just about playing games. It's basically just an open space with tons of open play. There's some sort of tournaments and events going on on the side, but for the most part, it's just a bunch of board game geeks getting together, playing games, and 
you get to be sort of in the presence of a truly epic board game library that's got, you know, every great game more or less <laughs> that exists. Uh, and then also they have like a really elaborate play and win ses- uh, section that has, I don't know, like a hundred games or something that are all just hot games, new games that if you check them out and play them, then you get entered in a chance to win it at the end. So it's just a total blast. And also there's going to be a bunch of decision space listeners coming out too that we're going to get the chance to meet and game with. And if you're listening to this and thinking to yourself, hey, I'm going to Geekway, please reach out. We would love to meet you, game with you. Uh, The best way to connect with us is through the Discord. We've got a Geekway planning section there. But yeah, please don't be a stranger. You know, we're there to play games and hang out. And, you know, obviously it's a huge treat for us to get to hang out with listeners of our show. Yeah. And the one thing this the Geekway is really not is a chance to like go to booths and buy games or listen to talks, which I think is great because frankly, you could just listen to old episodes of Decision Space if you want to listen to cool board game talks. But from there, I think that's get into it, Jake. So the first section in our notes is like games we want to play together, maybe related to the con or independent of the con, but like things that we were we know we want to use this as an opportunity since we'll be in the same physical space to like try to play these games. So should we go through some of these? Yeah, let's do it. And I, yeah, I think, you know, specifically like when you get in on Thursday, maybe some of these could be ones that could hit that the we table. Play. Okay. Am I going first? Sure. Okay. So Jake and I both really like TCG style games, right? We grew up playing Magic the Gathering. Both of us played a lot of that when we were, you know, in our just before teen years. And then later on, the way we actually met was through another trading card game, not really a trading card style game by Richard Garfield Keyforge, which we both loved. Um, so we have these like this long term interest in this style of game. And I think that though Decision Space is a board game podcast, I think we're always looking for ways in which we can make and interact with these games and make interesting content based on it, which is a weird way of talking. I, like, why is it? I never feel like we're making content. I guess I should. I don't know why I just said that. Yeah, don't I, say I, that. I want to talk to I have that. conversations with Jake. Thank you. Please do. Gosh, dang it. <laughs> no, but I think I want to have more conversations with you about training card games. Cards are like one of my favorite game components. So maybe we talked about this years ago. But maybe we'll try to get in some plays of the Pokemon trading card game. So you bought a couple of starters, right? For the Pokemon trading card game. I did. So I did some research on this. And basically, there were like these level one starters that were 40 card decks or which is not the full sort of deck experience. Or you could buy the world championship decks from last year in London, which are full 60 card decks and kind of like the game, the experience, you know, when you're competitively playing. And those were cheaper. So I was sort of like, I'll buy those. So they have Oh, nice that's backs. exciting. Yeah, they have these really shiny backs and came in this beautiful packaging. They used to do None that the for cards. Magic back in the day too. It, I think it's a product very much based on those Um, because, yeah, the backs are different. There's no foil hollows in them or anything. But I was able to pick up three for fairly cheap, which would give us interesting matchups potentially. Yeah, I mean, I'd be really interested in playing that. I mean, there's such a wide world of TCGs that almost just doesn't overlap with the board game hobby. Like there's a lot of crossover with Magic and a product like Keyforge that's like intentionally trying to like bridge this space. But you... Hardly ever hear anybody talking about 
Pokemon trading card game or Yu-Gi-Oh! Or there's like Dragon Ball Z. Basically, every anime ever has their its own yeah. TCG associated with it. Uh, so I played Pokemon as a kid. I'm really eager to just now as an adult revisiting this game, which I'm sure has changed a lot since uh, I was playing it, which was probably like the very first, you know, cards ever with the Charizard and everything. Yeah. I would expect there's some amount of evolution in the past uh, 20 years or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, that'll be super exciting to check those out. I would love to do that. Yeah. And then maybe we'll pair that with like playing Flesh and Blood or Soul Forge Fusion. Yeah. Uh, two other games we're kind of interested in, which could then make for a compelling episode, maybe to like revisit some of these. I think that would be really exciting to do like just a deep dive on TCGs in general. It's not focused just on magic. And also, what other show in the world would cover flesh and blood and Pokemon in right. the same episode? That's us. Yeah. That's and our Soul space. Forge Fusion, I, I kind of tacked that onto our list here yeah. because I have a couple of starter sets of that. And I think that you would really dig it. Have, mm. Are you familiar with Soul Forge Fusion at all? A little bit. You've, you've discussed it on the show. I've yeah. read about it some. Uh, and I've also listened to a Shut Up and Sit Down episode talking about it. I know it's a Richard Garfield game. Um, kind of okay. a follow-up unique deck game but beyond that i don't know a ton yeah richard garfield's spiritual successor to Keyforge, like say no more mm-hmm. you know <laughs> we should play it yeah I mean. yeah okay awesome. so we'll do some tcgs that thursday night another game that i was thinking potentially would make sense for us to play would be some kinesia titles perhaps that evening maybe we could rope my wife in she is a really big fan of raw i have the new uh 21st century or 20 whatever i think is it's 25th 25th century that makes a lot of sense <laughs> gonna cheat about of 100 years <laughs> yeah edition 400 years anyway i have that would you care to play I raw would, with I me brendan love to play raw i think that that would be phenomenal that edition is gorgeous so of the auction games i've played a ton of the tiling games that he's made of the auction games, right, the sort of classic, well-known three ones held up in high esteem, Modern Art, Raw, and Medici, I've only played Modern Art. So I would love to play Raw with you and Bridget. And I'm also interested in Medici, but I've heard Medici is just better at five. Like, if you're going to play Medici, play it at five. I've played Raw at three, and I think it works really great. Great. Raw. Yeah, I, I think it could probably... I think the only... I think it goes up to five, right? And I it feels like three or four is probably the sweet spot. I mean, I, I put it as my, like, what, number two game in our yeah. top 10 list. So I've been really enjoying it. No, it wasn't that high. Maybe it was three, right? But it was it, very high. It was up there. I'm yeah. really, yeah, no, I'm really excited to play Raw. And Raw is, what, like a 30 to 45 minute game, Jake? It's pretty quick, Yeah, right? very quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, you put another Kinesia game on this list. Yeah. So, I mean, if I'm ever going to play Babylonia in my life, it's going to be with you <laughs> this coming or this next weekend you know so we just absolutely have to find time to play this one together that's probably like number one on my priority list of games to play just because of the fact that this is your number one game of all time has yeah. been for a while we do this podcast together i need to do my due diligence and like what better time than to actually have you teach it to me yeah so i don't know if it works good with three maybe we could do that thursday night or we should it- Wait to bust it out with some decision spacers at the con. What are you thinking on that? I love it at two, three, and four. It plays totally the same and completely differently at every player count because of the way the map shifts. So I'd be very down. It's also quick. It's another like, you know, between 30 and 60 minute game. Do you think like playing it at two, I'm going to get 
the Babylonia experience that you'd want me to have? Like what play, knowing what you know about me, what player count do you think I would most enjoy? I think you would most enjoy four. Okay. I think once you'd played it at four or three, you would like to play it at two. And I think you would Mm -hmm. really like that experience, but I don't think it would be the best first impression. Does that make sense? Usually. Yeah, it does. Cause usually playing a game at two is just, is such a different feeling because everything becomes zero Zero sum sum. to such a greater extent. Um, You know, there's a lot of games I love at two and at higher player counts, but I I can't think of any off the top of my head that feel like the same experience. Yeah. Babylonia is amazing at every player count, I will say, but the decision space really opens up at four because the board opens up. So you just functionally have more options, but it's also really good at three. I don't know. Should I bring it just so we have the option? Well, I guess it depends on storage space. I know that we'll have it available to us at the at convention. The yeah. So I would say only bring it if like I can you just it. have space. Don't like yeah. go way out of your way. Okay. The other game that's very highly rated on my list that I would love to play with you, and I think you're going to like more than you expect you're going to like, is Monolith Arena. Monolith Arena is this sort of combat game for two players played on this shared hexagonal grid in which each player has their own unique faction and their options on a given turn are variable based on this unique tile set that they have. So basically you draw three tiles, you have to pick one to discard, and then you can play or keep the next two for the next turn. And then you always draw back up to three and you're putting tiles out. And then potentially you're playing these order cards that allow you to start a battle and resolve sort of this tension that's built up over the course of play. Um, It's kind of like, I don't know. I I think you're going to really like it. You had mentioned War Chest in the episode where I talked about this most recently on our top 10. And I know you don't like War Chest. So I'm going to say it's not like War Chest as much as I, I let on. Yeah, I only played war chest once so it's not really fair to war chest to say i don't like it okay i just haven't read the rules and like i didn't like the experience of playing it without reading without reading the rules which is probably true of most games in the world of games yeah Yeah, totally so i'm not gonna wear the war chest hater hat just yet yeah i would definitely be interested in checking that out knowing it's one of your top 10 games yeah and it usually plays in like 30 minutes it's very quick too so we got a handful of games that we could potentially play together on thursday night maybe we'll also do some dinner i'm thinking about good st louis restaurants uh to potentially get a reservation at but it should be a really really fun evening and then it will be friday morning we'll be heading to the geekway convention picking up our badges and hopefully trying out a bunch of new games so in the next part of this episode maybe we can talk through some games that we want to play there specifically that we haven't ever played Great. and why we're interested in playing those games. That sounds awesome. I think you should take it away because I'm really interested in this first game on your list. Okay, yeah. So the first one is in the play and win section and it's called Bamboo by German P. Milan is the designer uh, who is also the, the designer of Bitoku, a game I haven't played, but a game that a lot of people really like, maybe a little bit polarizing, Um, I've also heard some people kind of bounce off it, Uh, but Bamboo first came on my radar because one of my friends here in St. Louis, also a listener of the show, Jared, said that he was really intrigued to play it and was wondering if any of us were going to buy a copy. So that that put on my radar. I looked it up and kind of fell in love with just the aesthetic. It's like a super cutesy pastel color game. Think like Takenoko 
mm. in sort of the design ethos about uh, sort of building up a home. But what the game actually is, is a action selection game with a lot of really sort of confounding mechanisms where uh, in order to do the actions, you have to take bamboo sections from your personal player board, slide it up the bamboo stalks on the personal board, like whatever you get from there goes back into your player board that could be used for different actions later, but you can only use those actions if you deliver incense to the appropriate temple, right? So like, it it seems like a game that has a lot of mechanical artifice in order to do the action selection, Mm. um, which seems interesting to me. It seems like a pretty short and a pretty short game with like a little bit more complex mechanisms. And then the hook that made me really intrigued after watching the rules video. I was kind of like, okay, this seems like a little bit mechanical artificy. There's seems like a game that maybe is like unnecessarily difficult to do things, but then it gets to final scoring and it has this mechanism that I just really love and am intrigued by, which is that over the course of the game, you're trying to get these comfort tiles to put into your home. And your home is like a, something like a, three by five grid or maybe it's like a four by five grid just like my house (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly just like in real life of course and so you have to so each of the comfort tiles you get has like a comfort value between one and three so one two or three Uh, and then at the end of the game everything needs to be perfectly in balance so you have to add up all the comfort values for your tiles in the right and left two columns of your board and for each and then you you know subtract the difference and whatever you get minus two points for whatever the difference is so you have to like really be careful as you're completing objectives to make sure that you're like maintaining balance in your home or else you'll get punished at the end of the game which i thought sounds really cool so anyway that's bamboo why i'm excited to try it and it's definitely a perk that it's in the play and win section yeah the it's looking at photos of this game, Jake, the presentation is just gorgeous. Like all of the pieces are really neat and look like they'll be really fun to touch uh, and engage with. So that's what I'm I'm really interested in. Thanks for bringing that one up. I, Jake, there's a lot of games that I know that I won't have necessarily the opportunity to play in my day to day life as easily as if I was at a convention. There's something about being at a convention that makes games that play like three to four players that are slightly longer just easier to get that experience for me than it is in my sort of day-to-day life for putting together a game group it's typically that i'm playing with newer gamers or that i'm playing with maya and we're playing mostly two-player games so that's something that's on my mind a lot for this convention but i when i was writing these notes jake i was like we have to put some sort of frame maybe this will be our top five games that we're excited to play. And then I now in front of me have a list of like nine games. Uh, so I know. I've, I've totally, your, your list is a disaster. It's a, such I was a mess. looking at it. I have slashes <laughs> in here. It's just a nightmare. But I really would love to play something that is a shared space, sort of conflict, conflict driven game. So two things that came to mind for that for me, I think one of these is going to appeal to Jake's sensibility and one isn't, uh, but I'm really interested. I've never played Innis. And I've never played Imperial 2030. I would love to play one, if not both of these games. Imperial 2030 is a Matt Gertz game all about uh, not having control of, about gaining control of different countries, but not caring about how those countries uh, 
exist within the world, just using them for your own means to elevate yourself in your own position. Uh, it's sort of this dark outlook on geopolitical politics and sort of the I would say the sort of other forces behind them. Uh, and in it the sounds distant future. In the distant future of <laughs> coming up on seven years from now. <laughs> yeah, I think. But so that's very much of interest to me. And then Ennis is a totally different type of game that's much more. It's just a area conflict game where players uh, ha- are on the board. It's a drafting game. Uh, but one thing that sticks out about Ennis is that it's a drafting game with a small uh set of cards that you're drafting such that it i think easier than a lot of drafting games you could study the deck really quickly and have a sense for what's there at least that's what i've heard of in this so i'm i'm interested in playing one or both of these games and i love to get sort of a troops on the map style area conflict thing under my belt yeah i, I am going to imperial 2030 is going to be one of the games that i'll bring with me in hopes oh, you of have it. getting a group of players for it yeah i picked up a copy pretty recently just because i happened to see it sitting there at in the ding and dang section of my local game store so i just got it for a good price i haven't played it um it's been one i'm been really eager to try for a long time so that's why I had it. I, I, this would have been on my list if I didn't see it on your list. So I knew I'd get to talk about it. Nice. So really excited to try that one compared to Inish, which is a game that I've played before, did not like. Doesn't you know? It's, it's I have a really difficult time a lot of times with negotiation in games and troops on the map game and sort of like games where you're taking over each other's territories. And Inish seems to really lean into like all the things about those games that I don't like. So I, I would probably sit out of that one, but I have no doubt uh, that you'll find plenty of willing players among the decision space crew. That'll be a Kikwe. Could you just like, would you say the same exact thing about Kemet? I, Kemet I liked way more. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. You know, and both of them have been, a, I played Kemet really early on in my gaming and Ennis played probably like five years ago now, so also not a recent experience. But I think Inish is, I think it really leans into like the negotiation aspect of things. I don't really, I didn't really care for the drafting as much either, but it, it felt like my play of Inish was like everybody just like sort of saying like, oh, Somebody needs to attack this person, like, and then, but I'm going to do something that benefits me, or and then, every, you know what I mean? Where it's like sure. people are just like constantly lobbying what other people should be doing on their turn. Yeah, and I don't know, I just don't like that. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. No, that's that's helpful to know. I like deal making, so maybe yeah. maybe I can find some people to make a deal with. Yeah, great. Okay, so I'll go on to my next game if if that's all right with you. Oh, and yeah. this is another one, a game I had did not know about at all until I looked through the play and win uh, library list. Uh, and I came across a game by Freedom and Frieza that I, Freedom and Frieza is it, that I had never heard of before. And it's called Findorf. And it's a brand new game. I think uh, Frieza is a designer that has done a lot of interesting stuff. I played Power Grid last summer. Uh, at my buddy's wedding and had a pretty good time with it. Um, but not a designer that I have a ton of familiarity with, but still one, you know, that I'm interested in exploring more of the catalog of. So that in of itself was a reason that made me want to dig a little bit deeper. And so I watched 
a review of this game by the Game Boy Geek on YouTube. And what Findorf is, is a economic engine building game with an action selection rondelle and a power grid style market that the Game Boy Geek described as an epic Euro game experience that plays in about an hour. And all those things are really appealing to me. Uh, It made me really eager to give this a go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, say no more. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I like the epic Euro game experience, right? Like Trajan and A Feast for Odin are some of my favorite games, but they're a little bit harder to get to the table. And I don't think this game seemed fairly complicated. So I don't know that it would really take only an hour if we had four people who are all brand new to it sitting around the table. But even if we could get it learned and played in two hours or so, it seemed like the gameplay had a lot of really exciting elements to it. I guess sort of one more interesting thing I found about this game is that it seems like the main core engine building this game is you're buying these cards that cost variable amounts of money and resources. And then having those purchased uh, enables you to get some production benefit during the last section of your rondelle, which is like the bureaucracy phase. So maybe it's just giving you income, maybe it's giving you some resources, or it could give you a special action you could take during the bureaucracy phase. So the that's where a lot of the engine building of the game took takes place, is buying these cards. And then they're all worth the exact same amount of points at the end of the game, 15. And that's apparently where the majority of the points comes from. So a lot of the strategy of this game is you want to get the you sort of want to buy the expensive ones again from the review i haven't played it but it sounded like you kind of want to buy the more expensive ones early that give you the better payoffs so that you're getting to take advantage of it more and at a certain point in the game you need to be able to transition your engine into just buying a lot of these cards for cheaper because they're going to be worth points yeah. Uh, and I don't know, it sounds, sounds really intriguing to me. And so really interested to try it if I can find a group. Yeah, no, that sounds really interesting, Jake. I will also describe the board as charmingly bland. And yeah, the- it looks, it looks kind of rough. I think I, I'm kind of into it. I think that it's trying to be kind of like, uh, I think it's, it's going for a certain aesthetic. The art itself is not by Clemens Franz. It's by Lars Arn Klauski, but I would say it's in a Clemens Franz style trying to evoke a different age maybe it's very much frieza style yeah like he he likes the green boxes and he likes green tones so like everything on this board is sort of done in like it's like you know what if instead of brown it was kind of like brown green yeah like (laughs) like like really watered down split pea soup (laughs) yeah exactly yeah Yeah. (laughs) very green hued beige Awesome. So. so that's Findorf by Friedman Fries. That one sounds really cool, Jake. My next one, I, you know, I was, I'm still really excited about this, this pick. I really want to play it, but you recently played this game. So it might not be one that you're interested in diving back on. But to me, this is like the preeminent. If I'm going to play this game, I want to play it at a convention because I want to play it at a high player count. And it's Sidereal Confluence negotiation trading game in which everyone has their own sort of powers and can sort of convert 
resources within the game differently than everyone else, such that you want to be making deals with people because you all need different things to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. I've heard that the players who play this game best are the ones who can kind of involve themselves in the most deals because you're creating efficiency just by kind of lubricating the wheels of how the negotiation is happening in the game. That's exciting to me. I I like, you know, there's a lot of people who I'm really excited to see who I I spend a lot of time talking to in the decision space community who I've never met for the first time. So a particularly talky game uh, seems enticing on that front too. And Sidereal just, you know, it's kind of elevated to this like gold standard of negotiation games that I know would be hard to play in an ideal setting outside a convention. So it's one that I'm sort of like, I'd like to play it. There's also a beautiful new version that kind of has really lovely art. Um, So if it was on a copy of that, it's a bonus. Yeah, I played this a couple weeks back at my Monday night game night. Uh, Shout out to the Laughing Table friends. And we played at five players. And frankly, it felt like not enough. Uh, I think not this enough game players. Is, yeah, exactly. Like I think this game is best played at the top end of the player counts, where you feel like you're more in like the New York City stock exchange, and yeah. people are just like yelling, like, "Can I get a brown cube? I need a brown cube, like brown cube for a white cube," as opposed to five players, which create a really kind of odd dynamic where it's really easy for two people to pair up, right, and just be exchanging, mm. and then other two people someone gets left out so somebody's just sort of like sitting there like and yeah you can try and butt in on deals but for whatever reason like the meta that established at our particular table was that that person was just getting sort of like stonewalled like i'll talk to you in one second and so that happened to me but also i'm sure it happened to everybody around the table at different points which was just kind of it just seemed like not the best dynamic and i also I just had a really frustrating play of it in general. Again, I'm usually not huge on negotiation, but there, there was like, it is also like severely unique, not severely, but like extremely unique player powers. So everybody has different unique player powers that you really have to understand well. Uh, and I did not do my due diligence to like learn how mine worked prior to playing, mm-hmm. even though. I knew in a week advance exactly what faction I was going to be. <laughs> so that's on me. Uh, but I basically what I was playing some like military faction that had these like special terrain cards that I could build over the course of the game. And I didn't realize that by building and upgrading these cards, which is what I was really focusing on, that I was getting a bunch of points out of the like whenever I built one or upgraded one, I was getting an allotment of points. So I, w- I eventually figured it out and like added a bunch of points to my pool. Like it was easy to figure out how many points I was kind of due on that. But for like 90% of the game, I just thought I was like in a super distant last place. So I was just like annoyed <laughs> because of that. And also there is a horrible, like one of like the worst graphic design iconography choices ever that caused me to in the very first round of the game run one of my you you have like all these cards that are like converters like you can convert these cubes into these better cubes Mm -hmm. and i basically ran a converter in the first round at like a loss which Mm -hmm. just sets you up on a bad pace because i didn't understand the iconography on the card for like so i basically paid three big black cubes instead of three small 
black cubes. Gotcha. And that, so then I was like, just like butthurt about that the whole time too. <laughs> Do you want to play it again? I think I would play it if like a big there game were like seven was or happening eight with yeah. like decision space people. In that context, I would, but definitely not like one I'd be really ever eager to play outside of like the convention game setting. Sure, sure, sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Dang. Okay, cool. So that's Sidereal Confluence. I'm still tepidly excited, even though the graphic design sounds like it's maybe still a bear. I mean, I think like now that I know it, anybody would be able to say like, don't make this mistake, but you would sure. like just need to hear it once in order to avoid yeah, yeah. it. That makes sense. Okay, so my next game I'm interested to play is also a potentially big group game. And that is Challengers, exclamation point, by Johannes Krenner and Marcus Slawitschek, perhaps. Sorry if I said your name wrong. Are, have you heard of this game, Challengers, Brendan? Have I heard of the, the auto-battler uh, <laughs> tournament setup style board game? Yes, and I yeah. want to play it. I figured this might be right up your alley. So yeah. essentially what this game is, is like you start out with a base deck of cards. And then in each round of the game, there's two phases. The first phase is like, you get to draw 10 cards and then you'll add, I think something like two of them into your deck. And then you'll play a game against one random person, like in, as in like a Swiss tournament, like you and pair into groups of two. Right. Like you're yeah, just flipping cards the off the top war. of your deck. Yeah. So yeah. I'd flip a card and maybe it says three. So I get the flag. And then my opponent flips cards off the top of their deck until they add, until they get a value that a sum that is equal to or greater than three. So they get like a one and then a two. Now they have the flag and now I'm flipping cards. And basically whoever ends up with the flag wins the game. There are some effects. So there's more agency than just totally random during the game. So it might be like if you play this card, then you can look at your next two cards and discard one or something like that. Yeah. So, so maybe some small amount of agency. Uh, and then there's also agency and of course how you build your deck. So I think there's some synergies you might be able to find. I don't think it's a super high skill ceiling game by any means, but it sounds like a ton of fun, especially if we could find, you know, eight people and, and do a whole whole on tournament with it. So uh, another one in the play and win section too, I might add, but yeah, I, as soon as I heard about this, I think I heard first of it on the Board Game Barrage podcast. It just spoke to me of something that I'm really eager to try just as because it sounds like a lot of fun. And also, I'm interested in that sort of game design space. Cool. Yeah, totally. Uh, any game structured like a tournament, I'm interested in. So let's try to play Challengers. The next game on my list is a game I woke up. Sometimes, you know, Jake, I you know I have a almost two-year-old at home, which means that sometimes I wake up very early in the morning, just like worried that he's not okay. Just it's just a nice little, you know, background. He's he's always fine. Just sleeping, <laughs> sleeping well. Just, my brain's just like, what is your ba- is your baby okay? Just a constant background fear. Exactly, exactly. So that happened a couple of mornings ago at 4.45 a.m. And I decided the best way to approach using my time at 4.45 a.m. would be to learn the, the rules to Mosaic, a story of civilization. The one to six player civilization building game by Glenn Drover, who's also the designer of Railways of the World. Uh, Mosaic 
is supposed to play in around two hours, and it's all about sort of building civilizations across this board. And I would say it plays into some of the tropes of Age of Empires and Civilization, two classic computer game franchises, though Civilization arguably started as a board game by Francis Tresham, the guy who also invented 18xx games, so incredible respect. But anyway, Mosaic is basically about collecting technologies kind of like civilization and linking those technologies into each other as you build across the board different uh, cities and towns to get resources trying to build up your population while striving for control of these different areas uh, essentially around the Mediterranean around that whole area um, and you might do that by you know just building in an area one of these regions with cities and towns is going to give you more presence there to win these sort of area controls uh, and those will score at the end of the game. Or maybe you'll invest in military, which will help you win the, these area control checks and give you victory points, but won't give you as much as many victory points at the end of the game. You might also be working towards these different wonders that you'll get for accomplishing certain things by building certain groups of towns or having certain technologies that give you points. Uh, this game looks really cool. It seems like for a civilization game that plays in around two hours that there's interesting decisions there. I was really intrigued by it. There's... Uh, unique player powers. There's sort of starting factions that are not themed around real civilizations, which I think is kind of cool, but instead are things like you're the farmer and you're the farming civilization or something like that. Uh, so this one's on my list. It's also in the play and win area. Oh, you're also doing this like set collection game, Jake, where there's all these, the board starts seeded with tons of different tiles, different goods tiles and different money tiles. And where you build uh, plays into what tiles you want to collect and add to your board. So you're trying to get as many different types of these tiles as possible, from what I can tell. And it, it just, it, it looks cool. There's interesting stuff going on. It's one I'd be really interested in playing. Yeah, I'd definitely be interested to give this one a shot. I've heard a lot of talk about this on the Game Brain podcast. And they're like, I think they skew heavier than us in our yeah. big civilization type game people. And they've been pleasantly surprised by this game. The other, I guess it's sort of my understanding from listening to their conversation about it was that it's also a civilization game that sort of falls into this like tag collecting game mm. genre, a la terraforming Mars or Ark Nova or Earth that are, you know, big. Yeah. You're checking if you have now. a tag. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think that's interesting to see how that sort of fits in in a game that's not just like pure engine building. Yeah. Though those games aren't always super successful with me. So I guess like I'm I'm interested to try it, but it would be like a touch wary. Like I'm not 100% sold from the description that would be for me, but there's definitely enough there that I want to give it a shot. Yeah, totally. And that's a fairly new release that came out in 20, uh, 2022. And again, that's Mosaic, a story of civilization. Cool. All right. Well, my next one is I'm, I'm moved on from the play and win section. Uh, and this is just a game that I know that our buddy from the Discord, Joe, a.k.a. Carcassonne Hater, is going to be bringing to the con. <laughs> we had joked about maybe, and maybe we'll do this, like bringing name tags so people can write their decisions-based Discord username on it. So since we obviously don't all know what each other's faces look like, but we do know each other's usernames and online personas. And Joe's sort of like, well, I can't do mine or else I'll be like stoned by the entire <laughs> convention. I'm just like, well, you made your bed, okay? <laughs> uh, 
But anyway, the game is Millennium Blades, which is kind of like a granddaddy version of Challengers uh, because Millennium Blades is designed by Brad Talton Jr. of Level 99 Games. And it is the board game that simulates a trading card game tournament. Have you? Uh, you've so, never played this, right? No. Uh. Uh-uh. Okay. So, but I do like level ninety nine games in general. I've become a really big fan of Bullet Heart and Bullet Star. Played that now three times, I think. Cool. Uh, and then, of course, we're big BattleCon fans too. Yeah. So I actually have yet to play a level ninety nine game that I haven't th- walked away from thinking, "Wow, the design here is really good." You're also a big fan of cracking card game packs. You get to do that. Yeah. Who isn't? Yeah. No, (laughs) exactly. We're we're genetic. We're like just engineered that way as humans, I think. So that's built into a problem. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's built into the simulation. There's also, uh, I don't know if Joe has this version, but there's a version of Millennium Blades where the money that you use is paper money that the game instructs you to roll up like dollar rolled dollar bills and you put rubber bands around it. So you're just like throwing wads of cash around the table and you can use that to buy packs or in trades. Uh, and then you're also loosely building towards these different uh, different strategies where you're looking for synergies in the cards you're opening and trying to create combos. And then the actual combat is fairly simple. The the like actual play of the game. Yeah. So it's really kind of a similar structure to challengers, right? Where you have like two phases. One is like deck building and one is playing yes, a game versus each other. But if I other. remember right, the deck building is real time. Yeah. And then the play is fairly fast. Like the yeah. the game of it's a game about preparing to play TCGs more than it is a game about playing TCGs. Yeah. But yeah. there is still like a phase where it's like now you do the tournament. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Millennium anyway, Blades is fun. I played it like yeah. 10 years ago. So I'd play it again. Nice. Yeah, so I'm definitely excited to, excited to give it a shot. Maybe a little wary again, just because big, complicated games make me a little wary. But I have faith in level 99, faith in Carcassonne Hater. (laughs) We'll give it a shot. So the next game, yeah, and that's Millennium Blades. The next game on my list, Jake, is one that I only know of and only discovered because of looking through this the plain win section. And it jumped out at me. It is a trick-taking game by Tanner Simmons, published by Cosmos. A trick-taking game, I'm going to say it again, published by Cosmos. Can you think of another game that falls in that category? Like The Crew. I was going to say, I'm not good with the publisher game. The Crew, The Crew Mission, Deep Sea, both Cosmos games, both trick-taking games that made huge splashes. So Inside Job, not the same designer, but it is also a trick-taking game, but it's billed as a mostly cooperative trick-taking game because it's also a social deduction game because it's a trick-taking game that you're playing with a hidden trader amongst amongst you. So it's a novel pitch. I don't know yeah. how well cool. it would work. To me, it sounds like you would... Trick-taking games can be finicky. So if it's if it ends up being too finicky of, an, uh, of a trick-taking game, it might be at odds with that sort of setup. But I'd be really interested in trying it. It's a two to five player game that apparently plays pretty quickly. And it's a trick-taking game, so it's pretty light. So it seems like a neat one, maybe a good palate cleanser or that sort of thing. It feels like we're in the era of trick-taking games, but, you know, this yeah, is yeah. a trick-taking game, but it's cooperative. This yep. is a trick-taking game, but it's the worker placement. on the cards aren't revealed until you play them. Yeah, you know? So, exactly. yeah, that makes sense, you know, that now we have to work move into the, the social deduction or whatever yeah. element of it, too. Totally. But speaking of social deduction, the 
last game I had on my list. Not that there will be playing many more games than just these, I am sure. Um, but the last game I list as one that I'm really excited to play that I've never played is Blood on the Clock Tower, designed by Ste- Stephen Medway. And I don't think I need to introduce Blood on the Clock Tower much. It's essentially, what, Werewolf, the Resistance, except for everybody has a hidden role with like super secret special power. So instead of just, you know, one person being the baddie that's choosing who gets killed. Somebody's that, but also somebody's immortal. So when they get, try to get killed, they can't get killed. And somebody's drunk. So when they get to see somebody's secret idea, I, secret card, uh, whatever their role is, they the person who's running the game tells them one thing, but it's actually another thing. And they don't know that they're the drunk and so on and so forth. So it just creates like a really, really convoluted mess of people pointing fingers i don't know right off the bat if i'm gonna love this game like i'm somebody who likes the resistance pure like no no powers i so i don't know how much i'm gonna feel like i'm able to sink my teeth into unpicking this web of deduction it feels like it might just be like too much to try and keep in my head too much rules overhead uh, for the social deduction experience but if i'm ever going to play this game the convention with a bunch of decision space listeners is how i want to do it and at this point you know it's this game has had enough positive press and reviews that i'm starting to second guess my own instincts on it and say like okay maybe it really is as amazing as everyone says and, and it'll work for me too i'm starting to buy into the hype Whenever I hear people talk about experiences playing Blood on the Clock Tower, I'm 100% sold. It sounds like something that I really want to experience. Whenever I learn about the game of Blood on the Clock Tower, I start to, the the yellow light goes up of sort of like, maybe not, maybe not. And then I, you know, I I haven't had the opportunity to play it ever. I I actually, I almost, there was a, I was at PAX Unplugged a few years ago and I, think actually i could have played a game but maybe the yellow light was pretty high at that point in time and since then i've heard even more stories of people saying no it's really good you should play this game so i I think i'm back to like green light i'm in but if i'm three quarters of the way through wishing i played resistance instead i'm gonna be sad yeah i had an opportunity to play it at uh gamers ranch yeah with like it was like 10 people of like the 16 were all playing it and i was just like no i'm not gonna (laughs) play it with you guys (laughs) I like went and played longboard with Paul instead. Nice. Like, like, <laughs> oh, the Kinesia game. For yeah, a second, like, I thought you were just like, I, we went outside and we were longboarding. And I was like, yeah, we're just longboarding great. around. Yeah. It was rad. No. No, that makes sense. Okay. My next game, Jake. I have played Blue Lagoon, played Tigris and Euphrates, played Through the Desert. I've played Babylonia. But there's two games in the sort of major tiling trilogy that I haven't played for Minor Canizia. I haven't played Yellow and Yangtze, but I have it as an app on my phone. So I could play that pretty easily if I wanted to experience that and will at some point. But a game that is harder to get a hold of these days, I could drop the hundred bucks on the secondary market to get it. But I think the environment I'd like to play Samurai in is at a convention with other people who also really enjoy Reiner Knizia games. So Samurai is a game. One of our uh, dedicated listeners, uh, Jay Red Eye, has a copy, has offered to bring it. I think this is one that I'd just love to play at the con. There's not, you don't get an opportunity to sort of play games by a designer you love. 
new games all that often. So this is one that falls into that category. Though maybe when you love Kinesia, that's less true than maybe any other designer in the world since he's designed like 500 games or whatever. But more than that. Yeah. It's like one, 700. Just 500 plus. Just, we'll just <laughs> stop it there. Um, no, but I think Samurai has an incredible reputation and it seems like a sort of um, a game that I'd really enjoy. A little bit lighter maybe than some of the other tile lane games. I don't know for sure, but that's on my list. Can I name two others, Jake, just really quickly that I'm interested in? Yeah, definitely. Okay, I'm also My City, Roll and Write. Uh, we both love My City. A Roll and Write version of My City just came out, which I'm intrigued by. I think that it's sort of funny because My City is kind of a flippin' place game already. Yeah, I can't believe, I'm so surprised they chose to do this with dice and not as a flippin' right game. I, I guess it's the the dice have different symbols on them. So maybe it's just a, a neat component selling point point of view and it differentiates a little bit. I don't know. I've heard that also there's a few games that link together within it. So I'm intrigued. It seems like light fun. Kinesia loves to like make more games based around games he has that are hits. And oftentimes those games end up being good. Uh, so I'm intrigued. I saw it and played a win. That's one where if I was walking by and it was just free, I'd probably just snag it just to see what it was, what it was like. And then the other game in the play and win that I'm intrigued by, Jake, is... Or a Calcum. This is a Bruno Cathala Johannes Goopy game uh, that plays in 45 to 60 minutes that's built as like short 4X. Uh, I don't know that much about it. It looks cool and it's Bruno Cathala and I really like Bruno Cathala games. So I, it's one that I would be interested in playing as well. I have an Or a Calcum uh, experience I can share with you. Okay. Which is that I was doing a Hot Ones hot wing challenge yeah. with all the sauces okay you, you know hot I, ones from I the youtube show yeah and with a bunch of friends and paul solomon got there late and, and wasn't gonna participate in it but he was just hanging out and he kept trying to talk to me about how good aura calcum is the the entire time <laughs> and i had just like the spiciest food in my mouth right just like my mouth is on fire and paul's telling me how good this game is and i just kept having to be like okay start over <laughs> start over <laughs> like like i couldn't understand at all what he was saying because my brain was just like not processing the information so i still have no idea what this game is about at all though i do know paul is a big fan great and i, I imagine i might also get to meet paul yeah yeah paul, paul will be there for sure teach us or calcum if you're listening. Yeah. Okay. I'll maybe I'll I'm sure he's listening, but I'll shoot him a, a Facebook message or something just that, in case. That might be a more effective means of communication. <laughs> Try to target one person. Laying it out to the world on a podcast. So thanks for yeah. that, Jake. Yeah. So anyway, closing thoughts here. I would say that this is probably our most like selfish podcast episode episode ever. we've ever done. Yeah. But I I'm here for it. And I hope y'all enjoyed it. I'll also say if anyone's wondering, Brennan, you bought these three Pokemon decks. Are you going to sleeve them? No. No. I'm just going to yeah, well, I'm going to bring them to Jake and we're going to just shuffle the crap out of the cards. And we're going to burn them. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Only the okay, fire so types. One, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, oh, 15, God. 16, 17, 18 games we've discussed. Brendan, over what? Wh how many of these do you think we'll play to report back on next week's episode? I would be really impressed if we played more than seven of these games. Are you kidding me? 
I want to play all these games. I do too, but you know how things happen? You get pulled over into a game of Trajan or into some other thing. Like, what do you uh, think? I was going to say like 15. Wow. Dedicate. Okay. Because we'll I want to I want to bring people our thoughts. You know, they had to listen to us too. talk about how we're excited to play them. We should do our due diligence. We should. But at the I same time, I also just like just like going with the flow at conventions. Yeah. You know, if somebody's like, hey, I want to teach this game. I'm usually just there for it. To- no, totally. I think, yeah, I- I'm going to stick with seven. But if after day one, we're especially, you know, focused on mission, I think I think my number could go up. Okay, so you're go- I'm sticking at, I'll go 14. Because <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I don't think we're going to play Mosaic. God, I, that rules video was so long. <laughs> that could okay. be why. Interesting. I think Mosaic looks really cool. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be down to play it. I just think it gets left off. You've already sabotaged it. <laughs> no, I'm in. I'm in. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of Decision Space. If you're going to the Geekway convention, please reach out. Let us know. If you enjoy our show and want to support it, we have a Patreon page. You can also just leave us a review type up a little review just say hey i like this show i think it's good and if you like board games you should listen to it on apple podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this if they accept reviews we also have a website decisionspacepodcast.com where we recently posted our top 50 games of all time each individually so you can check that out over there and coming up after the geekway episode we're gonna have lots more traditional more focused decision space episodes if you made it to this point this message probably isn't for you uh because you seem to really be enjoying this episode in which jake and i talk about games we want to play which is great and thank you for listening but if not if you just kind of made it here because you were zoning out know that we have episodes on twa chicago express spots lots of cool games coming up in coverage soon great and more what we talk about episodes topics tv absolutely maybe one on tcgs yeah. um, but Anyway, here we are at the end of the episode, so we just like to thank, as always, Hembry for allowing us to use their hit song, Reach Out, for our intro and outro music. Until next week, hope you all have a good one. Goodbye. Bye, y'all.